From the ACLU, this is At Liberty. I'm Molly McGrath, your host, as we simmer down 2021 and set the table for 2022. Think of me as your holiday tour guide. And for this episode, and this episode only, your holiday food tour guide. That's right, for our 2021 holiday special, I'll be taking you through the holiday food traditions of our ACLU staffers and their families. Food is often the glue holding our families and cultural identity together. Today, we wanted to celebrate that and share it with you. Listener note, you may find yourself unusually hungry during this episode. We recommend that you have something tasty on hand. We begin with Blanca Gamez, the ACLU's Deputy Organizing Director. Blanca, welcome to the Year End Show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Can you share a little bit about where you grew up, about your family, um, just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I actually was born in Alamo, Sonora, Mexico, and I migrated to the United States when I was seven months old, so I'm currently undocumented in DACA, but I was raised here in Las Vegas, Nevada um, all my life, and yeah, it's interesting being here in the United States and delving into our conversation a little bit further about traditions and how balancing both my Mexican heritage along with the traditions here within the United States. Does what happened in Vegas stay in Vegas? Oh, <laughs> not usually. <laughs> Ivanka, so we are coming to the end of the year, and now that especially we're able to start to have family gatherings again, we're starting to share those for this episode, and especially the culinary traditions, the food that we partake in at these family gatherings. So can you share with us your favorite holiday food tradition, and it can be any holiday, what holiday that would be for you and your family? Yeah. Well, actually, I'm really hungry right now. Now I'm going to go through this. <laughs> but for my family in particular, and like in a lot of Latin American countries, we actually, a lot of folks don't know that we actually celebrate, um, you know, how you have a big Christmas dinner on the 25th. For a lot of us in Latino countries, we, for the Latino community, we really focus on the day before, the 24th, which is Christmas mm. Eve, which we call Noche Buena. And that's actually when we do our big Christmas dinner and family tradition. We open presents, which is great because we get to open them before Christmas Day. And during that time period, again, we have like a big dinner, which I know for my family in particular, we do a set dinner with like, I know my mom right now currently is looking at the menu. She's like, we're doing a pork loin and mashed potatoes and all this stuff. But additionally, a lot of folks in the Latino community also do like pozole, which is like a, this dish with pork and it's just like a soup, basically it's a huge pork broth. And then there's like tamales, which I think everybody's familiarized with. So we do tamales. There's buñuelos, which is like, basically think of like a tostada, but with covered in sugar. And it's just so good with like syrup on it. So we do a lot of that in our culture where we have gaposole, tamales, muñuelos, all on the 24th as part of our festivities within our community. Let's talk about each of those a little bit more. So can you describe the pork soup? This is something your mom makes and what, like how long does this take? What else is in it? Yeah, so it's a pork soup, but you can also do like a chicken broth as well. Like there's two different options. There's like a red sauce version. There's a green sauce version. My family and I prefer the red sauce version, which involves pork. But yeah, it's basically putting a pot to cook for a very long time on a slow boil pork and like pork bone. And then additionally, the red sauce. It's like a chili sauce, but it's not spicy. 
And then additionally, you add what is called maize or like corn, which is like these little corn. It's not kernels. I'm trying to explain it, but it's called maize and you put it into the broth and you let it simmer for a couple of hours and then you serve it with lettuce, radishes, and then you eat it with like tostadas or tostada chips. It's so good. I'm actually oh, <laughs> looking forward to a bowl <laughs> when I'm back home. Um, but that's pozole. And then we have, which is the tamales. Again, I think a lot of people familiarize with it. And there's always like, I think what's funny about tamales is there's just so many different types of tamales. There's tamales with the traditional corn wrapping, or there's tamales with the traditional like banana leaf wrapping. And you put either meat, cheeses, sometimes they're sweet. And you wrap them up in these corn husks or banana leaves and you let them simmer. And it's so good. After a couple hours, you take it out and then you unwrap like a little present, the tamales, and you enjoy it with sometimes with, for my family, we drink something called champurrado, which is kind of like a Mexican version of hot chocolate, if you'd like to say. And yeah, it's delicious. And the best tamales sometimes you get outside of a grocery store, which is like a family selling them. Uh, I know for us, we go and order from one of my friends. His mother makes some of the best tamales in Vegas. And you just order like you either pork, chicken, cheese, pineapple, strawberry. Like there's so many different flavors that you can have with a tamale that a lot of people I think forget. So it sounds like a couple of these dishes to take several hours. So this is something that your mom or who's prepping this is, does this happen all day? Do you help? I imagine your house smells really good with these things cooking. Yeah, it, it takes a like, couple of hours. My mom will definitely, when she makes pozole, the house windows all steam up because it's just like simmering all day. Um, tamales, my mom prefers not to make tamales. So that's why we kind of go to like our local neighborhood. Again, telling you the best tamales you find outside of a grocery store and like friends, family members make tamales and you order from them and we order like a dozen of them or more. And so, yeah, it, they take a while. But yes, you can only imagine the house smells delicious with the fragrance of the different types of sauces that's happening. Mm. And with the pasole, is this something that you only have on Christmas? And do you know the origin of the tradition at all? Is it only for Christmas Eve or just special occasions? Or how do you guys use it? No, with the pozole, you can eat year-round. It's a year-round dish. But I mean, for Christmas Eve in particular, it's, it's one of those dishes that you that you have because it's just like such a traditional meal for our community. And I mean, it's just also so good. And you can serve multiple people with a large bowl of pozole. And can you talk a little bit about how when we were in D.C. together, we would go out for good food and, you know, how just food is like also just more of a vehicle for celebrating, you know, heritage and tradition and cultural identity. Can you share a little bit about food's role in that for you? Yeah, I think food plays a tremendous role in all different cultures and communities. I mean, it's for us, it brings our family together. For me and my family in particular, we are all about sitting down together for dinner and making it that time and space just to have like a conversation, a check-in as we enjoy delicious home-cooked meals. And so I think it's an opportunity again as part of the culture just to have people at a dinner table and just meet and enjoy a good meal at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a beautiful tradition. So are you are you helping with the food prep of the basole or anything else? Will you be or are you is that something that you will do in the future? 
Um, I'm trying to get more familiarized with actually the dishes my mom cooks. I'm actually trying to write like a recipe book with all her dishes there. But the funny thing as well is like my mom will be like, add a little bit of this, add a little bit of that. And never it's like a tablespoon or a teaspoon. It's always just like, just add a pinch of that. And we're like, but <laughs> we need to know the recipe so I can write it down. But I'm definitely trying to be more, especially now that my family is located in Las Vegas and I'm located in D.C., kind of have a better understanding of the different foods my mom has made throughout the years for us and writing it down to pass it on to like whatever my future generations to come because yeah, I'm, I'm so used to like the fragrances and the, the just opportunities to sit down at the table with my family and, and keeping those traditions alive. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Blanca. Thank you for having me. Next, we hear from Zara Huck, a senior campaign strategist at the ACLU focusing on voting rights and First Amendment issues. So Zara, basically, all we talk about is voting rights and cooking. And that's what we're going to do this podcast. <laughs> um, so this is our year-end episode talking about uh, culinary traditions. But let's talk a little bit more about you. Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. So I've grown up in Virginia, Northern Virginia. And my family is originally Pakistani Punjabi Muslims. So our entire culture is about food. That's all we talk about, too, and all we look forward to all the time. So that's why it's so great to have Molly to talk about these things with us well. We are easy friends. Exactly. So I do go back quite a bit to visit family that is overseas or over here. And the one thing that really brings us together is what we're going to eat or drink. So that's kind of every family get together. Of course, I'm sure a lot of people have this too. It's very fixated on like, what are some special foods we want to share? What are new places that we found that kind of bring a little taste of home? So that's something that's really important and keeps us uh, together. Can you share some of this with us? What is one of your kind of culinary traditions? What would this what would this food tradition be? And tell us a little bit about the holidays and celebration of. So I had to think long and hard about like one thing to talk to you about because we have so many. Right? Hard to narrow it down. So hard. <laughs> um, so I really thought about it. So every year we have two eats. And the way that I know that my mom's in the holiday spirit is she makes a special dish called kheer. And it's a dessert. Like she'll make it the night before. She stays up all night making it. And basically every few minutes you have to stir the pot. So it's basically like a rice pudding, but it's milk, rice pudding, cardamom, a lot of sugar, and you cook it down and it gets really creamy and thick. And then you garnish it at the end with like crushed pistachios or everyone does different things. There's so many different versions of this recipe. But of course, for our family, my mom's version is so special because it is so painstakingly like long a process and it's just so much love goes into doing that for your family. So that's one thing that's like really special for us. Like literally she's up all night stirring? Literally. Like she'll just be like, you'll see her in the morning. She's like, eyes are like half shut. She's like chugging tea. And she's like, this is what I made for you. So, you know, she's really feeling the love if she's making it for that holiday. So it's obviously because it's such a long process. It's something that we only have um, one or two times a year. Or if there's like a really special guest or gathering, that's how you know it's special is because she'll bust out that rice pudding. Can you share a little bit more about the holidays, you know, and the occasions that would warrant this type of, you know, high labor food? <laughs> yeah. So um, we have two Eids. Um, so one Eid comes after the month of Ramadan. So after you've been fasting and we always have a little something sweet before you go for Eid prayer in the morning. So after 30 days of fasting from morning till night, finally you're able to eat again during the day, during sunlight. So the first thing you do is have a little something sweet and in, sp- in celebration. 
And so sometimes she'll make that, or sometimes she'll make a different milk-based dessert that we have called Samia, which is with vermicelli noodles and milk and a similar process. Ooh. And then um, the other Eid, which is uh, Eid al-Adha, which is the sacrifice, the honoring the sacrifice of Prophet Abraham. So that's another holiday where it's all about food, basically. So all you pretty much do is go house to house with your family and friends and have food. And so when you're full up on eating, you know, all the actual savory dishes, one thing is everyone has a lot of desserts. And this is definitely a star of the show. But yeah, so those two holidays, they're religious holidays, but there's a lot of cultural aspects in how people celebrate them. And of course, for our family, that means all day consumption. So... (laughs) This is definitely one of the big things that we like to have. There's like I told you, there's a long list of foods that we have so many different traditions tied to. A lot of them are very time intensive, labor intensive, but they all come with a lot of love because you know how special it was to make them. And do you remember like, is this something your mom made when you were little? Do you remember when you were a little girl like her up all night making this? Is this something that is a tradition in your family as well that her mom would have done and So all these recipes are family recipes, um, which is why I said like every family makes them so differently and people get like a very visceral reaction to someone making it not the way their mom made it or not the way their grandmother made it, which I totally understand. But yeah, this is a recipe that's passed down from my grandmother. My aunts also make it in a similar way, but I remember just my whole life, like you knew it was something special was happening because my mom would be there when it was bedtime. She'd be going down to the kitchen to start stirring like a big pot of milk and you knew it was coming next. And so in the morning you had a great surprise and it's something we actually eat warm or cold. So it makes it even better because if you're lucky enough to be there when it's freshly made, it has like one kind of flavor profile. And then when you get to eat it, when it's been refrigerated and chilled and garnished and everything, it's a whole different treat. So that's one thing that definitely is associated with every major holiday for us. When we've had like family weddings or someone's coming over, who's like really special. Like when my grandfather would come to visit, this is one thing that she would always make as like a point of welcome. That's such a sweet tradition. And I would think so meaningful for, the, you know, the guest, whoever's coming over or whatever, whatever that holiday is to tell us a little bit more about what it tastes like for somebody who, you know, like me, who's never had it. Is there like, how would you compare it? How would you describe it? So it's described as like a South Asian rice pudding, but I think like American rice pudding, for example, is like thicker, a little chunkier. This is just like very creamy very rich and like super sweet. But when you add in like the crushed nuts, like typically we add pistachio, it has like a little bit of extra texture. There's the rice. You can taste that in there. You can feel it, but it's sweetened and it's just so smooth. Even a little bit goes a long way. Of course, that doesn't stop us from eating entire bowlfuls. (laughs) It's comfort food. You know that like a lot went into that, but it's like simple ingredients and then cooked for hours. And that's really what makes it so special. And because it's like so strongly for you, you know, written for your family associated with special Mm -hmm. occasions, it's almost like tastes like happiness and, you know, tradition in a way, I bet too, like the taste brings you back. It does. It's it's like best way to bring a smile to our family's face is to put a bowl of that on the table and everyone's like, oh, okay, like you could have anything else there. But once they see that, they're like, you know, the food critics all come out. They're like, oh, how's this person's recipe compared to my family's recipe? And it's uh, it's fun to kind of see how different people like to have it. But of course, my mother's is the best. So I was just going to say, you've never tasted anyone's as good as your mom's. I'm sure that's the case for many never, people. Of course. It's like one of those things where like you could go to a restaurant and order it. I would never do that. Because like to me, 
it's so special. It's not something I would even want to just have from somewhere else. I want my mom to be making it. I want like my aunt to make it for me. I'm sure they'd like for me to make it for them, but you know, it's, it's like, they're the ones who make it so special and and so meaningful and it, it has to be theirs. So that for us is, I think the big thing is, yes, there's lots of versions. Your own family's is always going to be the best one. Will your mom make it when I come over for dinner? Oh yeah. She's so excited to have you come. She was like, tell Molly, I'm going to make her so much food. <laughs> I'll tell her this is on the menu. <laughs> you know, and one thing Zara, that you've talked about too, that I'd like you to share a little bit more. It's like just how big of a role food is just in, in cultural identity and heritage and tradition and just what this, like on a personal level, what this means for you too. I think coming from this kind of background, my parents moved here without any family here. So preserving these cultures and traditions were really important to them because they didn't have their parents or siblings or anyone else. And so when I was growing up, like it was very much a balance between all the culture that's outside that I'm being raised in, but also at home, one way of reminding us like where we were coming from and the things that are important to my family was having this food to connect us. So that when I did visit family or we did have like, you know, extended family coming to visit or we're going to go see them or spending time with my grandfather, it was these family recipes and this like heritage that this is like specific to where we come from, the region that we're from and the things that are important to us. Uh, it's, so, it's really reflected in the food and it has like its own history and culture. And just learning more about that is always so interesting. There's just so many things. And then going back to the fact that my family is from Pakistan because of partition, the region of Punjab is split between Pakistan and India, but a lot of the foods cross that divide. So there's a lot of restaurants that serve both cuisine side by side. It's, it's so similar. And that's where we also just see a lot of foundation between other people as well as like, we can bond over this, like even with differences in like religious background or other parts of our culture are not the same. The food really does bring you together. And that's something that's been always a point of like, just relating to others when you meet other people from the subcontinent is like knowing even though they're a whole different country now and there's a whole history and past there that this is something that you can talk about and relate about and compare notes on, like, you know, different ingredients, different ways that they do it and have that kind of conversation. Is there something that you have that you have made? Have you helped your mom or is this something you plan to make? Will she share your recipe and pass this down or what? how does that work? Oh, <laughs> so she, I'm sure... My mom has like, she'll kill me for saying this, no patience in the kitchen. So it's really hard for me to pick up all the family recipes. But with this one, I had tried a couple of times like to help her make it. Or when I was little, my job was always, if I was still awake, to stir the pot, literally, because the milk kind of sticks. So it was like really big, very serious, very important, because if I didn't do it right, I was ruining everything. Like it was ruining Eid if I messed up the key. But um it's not something that I've like made on my own. I think it'll take me a long time to be able to really replicate the same flavor. And it's just not the same, right? Like when your mom makes you something, you can't really beat that. So for now, I'm I'm content to let her do it. And then maybe one day I'll take a, that recipe for a spin and see if she approves of my version too. And I think I know the answer to this, but will you share the recipe? <laughs> no, <laughs> Molly, come on. You gotta <laughs> leave something, something for the surprise. Well, I mean, it, it's, one of those things where like everyone's going to make it a little bit differently, but like the basics, like I said, it's whole fat milk, it's a little cardamom, it's rice, a whole bunch of sugar, and you basically just like cook it down and it takes hours and you cook it down. It becomes so smooth and creamy and people add different garnishes. They add different things. Some people add 
like condensed milk in there to make it thicker. Some people add like half and half. Some people do different garnishes. Like they might use fruits. They might use other things. Um, but for my family, pretty simple. We use the whole milk and we really cook it down for hours to get that that thickness. And then we garnish it with our favorite thing to garnish it with is either pistachios, which are been crushed or um, almonds, same way. And it gives us a little bit of texture. And that's always like the fight is who gets the part of the bowl with more of the the nuts in there. But, you know, I always win. So it's fine. Sorry, it sounds delicious. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. It sounds like a very special tradition for you and your family. We appreciate you sharing this with us. Thanks for having me on to talk about it. And I can't wait till you come over so you can try it. I will definitely be taking Zara up on that offer. Are you jealous? Next up, Rotimia Deoye, one of our communication strategists at the ACLU with two family traditions. Hi, Rotimi. Thanks for joining us on the end of the year show. Hi, thanks for having me. Rotimi, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Definitely. So I grew up outside of Philadelphia, a small town called Town, outside the suburbs of Philly. And then uh, my parents are um, both from Nigeria. They immigrated here in the 80s and 90s. So um, I now live in D.C., but my mom now lives in uh, the suburbs of Maryland. Uh, but grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, Philly's my hometown. Awesome. So as we come to the end of this year, we're talking about culinary traditions, food, one of my favorite topics, and really reflecting on this last year now that we're all able to celebrate holidays and traditions again, together again. Um, could you share share with us one of your favorite food holiday traditions that your family celebrates and what holiday is this in celebration of? I'm tied between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think both of those are just great holidays because one, you get great food and then two, you get to see the people that you love, your friends and your family. But um, I think two of my favorite things I love from both these holidays are one, I love just the good old mac and cheese, Mm. classic, lots of cheese, breadcrumbs on top, baked in the oven. I think that is so good. I could eat that forever. And I think the second thing that I could eat forever, uh, this Nigerian snack, it's called puff puff. And essentially what it is, it's like fried dough covered in powdered sugar. And it's um, a Nigerian kind of dessert that me and my family a lot of times have during the holidays. So I think that is one of my favorite, two of my favorite foods actually to eat during the holidays. And I'm looking forward to eating them a lot these uh, next couple of weeks. <laughs> So I have questions about both of these, but I have to start with the mac and cheese. As a Wisconsin girl, you got to tell me what kind of cheese you all use. Is it American? Is it cheddar? Is it a combo? What do y'all do? We usually do a combo, um, a cheddar combo. And then I think we also do go with a little Swiss in there. But my mom really has a nice combination of a bunch of different cheeses. Um, And I imagine you know all the great cheese since you're from Wisconsin. But uh, I think we do a good job. (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about the puff puff. So this is like more like a dessert, it sounds like, or could you describe it a little bit more? Yeah. So essentially it's um, it's a little bit, it's a fried dough, really soft, really fluffy, and just has a little bit of powdered sugar on it. And it's kind of like a donut, except it doesn't have any of the icing on top. But it's a really common uh, Nigerian dessert. A lot of times in Nigeria, people um, will kind of have this dessert because it's really easy to make. You can make a lot of it at once. So it's really was for me when I was a kid, I remember, you know, my aunt and my family members would joke me, you know, like, don't eat too much puff puff. Like, we know you love it, but don't eat too much of it because it's it's 
you know, it's a dessert, it's a lot of sugar, but uh, as a kid, I, you know, still had a lot. And to this day, I still have a lot. <laughs> I haven't really taken their advice much, but you know, it's just one of those great, easy desserts that I imagine, you know, many families have the same type of thing during uh, the holidays, but it's, you know, something that my family brought from Nigeria and still has to this day. That sounds really special. Is that something that you grew up with that your mom and aunts would make? Yeah. So something that a lot of times when I was a kid, it's like some kids, I think, look forward to an ice cream cone. And I, I definitely did. But I think a lot of my childhood, I spent looking forward to, you know, having some puff puff that my aunt made or my grandma made. And it's kind of a really just nice thing to have as a kid and something to this day I still really enjoy. And um, I'm looking forward to having it a lot this holiday season. Yeah. And for people like me who have never, like never seen it or never had yeah. it, I guess, how would you describe it to something, you know, folks like in our listeners might be familiar with? Well, I think I would describe it as, I don't know if people at home have had, ever had funnel cake, but if you take funnel cake with the sugar on top and you just make it into like one tennis-sized ball, and that's kind of what Puff Puff is. Best parts of a donut, the best parts of funnel cake with some powdered sugar. <laughs> it's like a perfect marriage. It's a dream. Yeah, dream yeah. come true. <laughs> so it sounds like something, too, that is definitely present on holidays, but not necessarily only for holidays. Like, people make cookies. Like, this is something that... Yeah. And it's definitely something, I think, that you have at a lot of Nigerian, like, cultural events that are usually happy and are kind of celebrations. Like, you know, if you go to a, a Nigerian wedding, there might be someone, someone might bring a lot of puff puff. I remember a lot of times as a kid as well, uh, going to weddings, um, that was something I had as a dessert. So I think it's definitely something that you can have, you know, during any kind of happy uh, moment and kind of it's a really, you know, celebratory, happy food. And I think that's one of the really um, interesting things about, I think, Nigerian American culture and this food in particular. It's uh, just really about family and really about being together. And so for me, I think, you know, food like Puff Puff has always stood out to me. It's just, it reminds me of family. <laughs> Right. And I think that's the the neat thing about food besides how much, you know, we just love it, but especially how, you know, its role in really keeping culture identity alive and how important for you on a personal level is that, um, you know, for you and your family and, and these traditions? Well, I think for me and my family, I think it's definitely very important because I think it it's, you know, it's kind of a shared experience that we all have. And I think, you know, during the holidays, whether it's, you know, a shared culture or, you know, you're coming together to celebrate a religious event or you're coming together for another reason. I think a lot of times it's about, you know, that shared experience and being with other people that have that same experience as you um, during the holidays, I think is just a really great part of it. How many Puff Puff have you eaten at one time? one time in one sitting. Wow, that's um that's a tough question. I think I I think when I was a kid I used to put away like eight or nine, which is like that's I think egregious now. Like, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't do that now, but when I was younger I used to put away a lot of those. I don't even want to think about how many I've had in my life, because then we'd be here for the next couple hours. Is this something that you will help make this year when you go back home? I think so. You know, if they let me put on the record, I, I hope they let me and I, I definitely will. It's fried on the stovetop in oil or what's the preparation look like? Yeah, so it's fried on the stovetop in oil. Yeah. How about your friends? Have you ever made this for your friends? Um, I haven't made it for my friends. I will at some point, but you know, it's cooking. I think it takes a lot of time. So you got to kind of plan it out and, you know, figure it out. So, you know, maybe I think, you know, I need to ask that question myself. Uh, I, I should be making it for my friends. And your colleagues. Yeah, I know, for you too. <laughs>
Thanks so much for joining us, Ritimi. Happy New Year. No problem. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year to you. And now I want to do my own food tradition. My favorite holiday tradition is Christmas Eve, and my family has oyster stew. And it's really what it sounds like, a huge, ginormous pot of oysters with their brine and then milk and butter just before it's ready, lots of salt and pepper. Sometimes there's a little potatoes and celery, but the oysters are really the star of the show. My mom, I think, just eyeballs the recipe every year, and it's a little different every year, but it is a family tradition. Some of us put oyster crackers in it. I don't because I'm a purist. And my understanding of this origin is that it came from Irish immigrants, particularly Irish Catholic immigrants who could not have meat on religious holidays like Christmas Eve, a tradition that is still observed today. So in Ireland, my understanding is they did this with the white lingfish with milk, butter, salt, and pepper, those same ingredients in oyster stew. And then in America, oysters became the substitute for lingfish. And this became a Christmas-specific tradition because in the cold winter months, that allowed for the oysters to be transported to places like the Midwest, like Wisconsin, where my family is, you know, back in the 1800s when they didn't have sophisticated refrigeration or, you know, two-day shipping monopolies. So the interesting thing is when I was a kid, I really did not like oyster stew, and now I love it. My young nieces and nephews have apparently a more advanced palate than I do, and they started eating this even at a young age and enjoyed it, which is actually kind of a disappointment to me because I would happily take their share of the oysters. But for us, this is a family tradition that both of my parents grew up with, that I grew up with now, and I know that I will carry on. It's something that we only have once a year. We only have on Christmas. It tastes like Christmas to me, and it really wouldn't seem right to have it at any other time. For us, this is a tradition in our family because both of my parents are Irish. My dad is very Irish, and my mom grew up with some Irish traditions as well. And so this is something that we have that we celebrate in our family that both of my parents grew up having, that their parents grew up having, and something that I know that I will continue to have and, and share with my family. Thanks so much to Blanca, Zara, and Rotimi for sharing their stories with us. I'm still feeling salty that no one has sent me recipes. From all of us at the ACLU, we wish you and your loved ones a happy holiday season and new year. If you'd like to support our fight in the year to come, you can donate by visiting aclu.org liberty. That's aclu.org liberty. We really appreciate your support. Until next week, keep cooking. Keep cooking.